Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. We've got a great show for you guys today. Now, I say that at the top of every podcast, but this podcast in particular, I'm confident you will love because this is 15 facts on why there's not going to be a housing crash. Now, we've been telling you guys for the last, I don't know, forever it seems, why there won't be a housing crash, why what happened back in 07, 08 cannot be repeated. But what we've done today is we've broken it down to 15 very distinct points, and there's not going to be a lot of puffery on these points. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of, you know, superfluous Mickey Mouse about, can, you know, our opinions versus conjecture versus different Keynesian and economic forecasts and blah, blah, blah. We're just going to give you facts. And with those facts, hopefully you will find yourself becoming more confident um, and frankly, a lot more courageous in this market because of this market. That's right. So you may ask yourself pretty much every day, all day, is there a massive housing crash coming soon? There are many conflicting, quote, experts who claim that a crash is looming. But what follows are, as Tim said, facts, not fluffery. You decide what's true and what's ill-informed puffery. All these facts are easily discovered using Google. At the end of these points, the prevailing thoughts we hope you will have are of confidence, a sense of direction, and a sense of purpose. The purpose is to be of service to others as a real estate professional. Your role is to be of service to those who need to buy or sell a home. Remember that knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear. So Tim, all of these are great fact-based points. These are all factual points that we researched up to the second, literally like minutes ago, yep. for all of you guys. So this is when you're th having those thoughts yourself, maybe you're somebody who hasn't bought a house yet. When you have buyers asking you, these are talking points so that you can have knowledge equals confidence instead of speaking out of headlines that may or may not be true. And now we're going to go through 15 points. And these are not, like I said, there's not a lot of bloviating on these points. We're just going to give you the facts. These notes, as are all, all as are all of our notes, are waiting for you over on our main website, timandjulieharris.com. Usually they're also um, available on iTunes and on Spotify, assuming they let us put on all of our notes with the show description. So you just got to open up the show description. There will be all the notes. Usually that's the way it works. Speaking of iTunes and Spotify, I want to thank you for those of you who have given us a five-star review on both of those platforms. If you have to choose one, choose iTunes. It's the Mac Daddy of all podcast uh, apps. But please do give us a five-star review over on iTunes. We really do sincerely appreciate it. I think you'll find after you hear these points today um, that you have probably been looking for this information because maybe you're being convinced or someone or some things are trying to convince you that the best days in your real estate career are um, you know, behind you or maybe you're a new licensee and maybe you have people telling you that you're joining at the wrong time. Well, we're here to tell you that you're not only joining at the right time or you're not only in real estate at the right time, but this is perhaps the best time in the last 25 years because of all the consternation, because of all the perceived headwinds and fear if you are, as Julie's last point that she just read to you, knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear. If you're feeling confident and if you're feeling a sense of direction after listening to today's points, please do 
repay the incredible emotional debt and give <laughs> us a right. five-star review. See that tie-in? That's the least they can do. That's right. Give us a five-star review on iTunes and on Spotify. We certainly appreciate it. And for those of you who do, we are also you're also going to qualify to receive a free copy of our autographed best-selling book, Harris Rules, which is available on Barnes & Noble and available on, um, I mean, it's everywhere, really. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, also available on Audible. Uh, but it's simple. Just give us a five-star review on iTunes or on Spotify. All right, so we're going to go through these points. And like I said, we're not going to lollygag on any of these points just so that you guys can get these clear in your head. And we know that a lot of you will find some of these things interesting and perhaps challenging, and you'll go to do your own homework. And here's the easiest way to do it. Go to our notes, drop in the note uh, into Google, and then you'll find probably the same sources uh, that we use for our research. Now, Julie and I did not uh, spend a lot of time worrying about the exact numbers. So when we get to numbers and facts, generally speaking, what Julie and I would do is we would just round off, right? Uh, so if it's something like, you know, 1.256%, whatever, we just rounded up to 2%, just because we could find differing uh, results from differing sources that would maybe be within the same realm of, a, you know, some, um, you know, percent of error. So we just rounded up. So just, and we'll tell you when we did that, um, in case some of you are trying to write something or create content that's far more analytical than what we're doing for the sake of today's show. That's right. And it's also a lot easier to memorize less than 1% than less point one two three five percent right? So we're making it easier for you to have talking points. All right. Point number one, and my note takers, you want to get your typing fingers ready here. Point number one, less than 10% of all mortgages are adjustable rate loans. That is not like the great housing crash. Now, why is that important? And uh, Peter Schiff, who Julie and I are friends with, um, he is uh, on his podcast, which we listen to. He comes out with that three or four days a week. You guys should listen to it. Uh, it'll definitely sober you up if you're feeling in any way <laughs> optimistic because he's definitely Mr. Doom and Gloom. But it's good to get always get uh, you know differing opinions on things. But yeah, he's now saying that he thinks housing is going to hypothetically crash because of adjustable rate mortgages. And he's talking about adjustable rate mortgages. But nowhere where he, and he was right, but his facts are maybe 14 years out of date because right now less than 10% of all mortgages are adjustable rate. That is really what the big takeaway is. So anytime anyone tells you that there's going to be a housing boom, housing bust cycle that's going to repeat itself right now they because of adjustable rates, because of ninja loans, because of the rest of it, you have to pretty much assume that they are trying to sell you something that is based on fear. Point number two, 40% of all homes are owned with no mortgage. There, right. That kind of speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. So 40% of all the homes in the United States have no loan. So if there's no loan, somebody can't default, thus there is going to be no housing crash. And Point you also can't be upside down. Exactly. <laughs> so. Point number three. Point number three, of those with a loan, the average interest rate is less than 4%, with many having 30-year fixed rate loans. Again, fixed rate means not adjusting. Now, who the heck is going to, like, if you, and again, we're going to get into, I don't want to step on any of our other points because it gets interesting, yeah. but that's really, I'll just leave it at that. So if you guys are considering the number of people who have uh, adjustable rate mortgages of less than 10% and pretty much everyone else out there has a 30-year fixed rate at around 4%, when we get to the equity position that most people are experiencing in the United States, you will come to the same conclusion as my lovely wife and I did, that there is no housing crash anywhere on the horizon. Point number four. four. Yes. Oh, here's a good one. Go ahead. Yes. National negative equity 
was 2.1% in Q4 of 2021, the lowest in all of last year. There are only 1.1 million homes in the U.S. with any negative equity. That means that you owe more than the house is worth. Year over year, that number is declining. It is not increasing. It is declining. And the reason it's declining, and again, I don't want to step on too many of our additional points, but the reason it's declining is because the national amount of appreciation, or really what it is, inflation, of homes is, is far outpacing whatever negative equity might be uh, remaining in people's homes. And so most everyone in the United States has positive equity in their homes. By the way, why is that important? Because during the housing crash, one of the uh, there's two things, that, a whole bunch of consumer behavior um, was discovered. First of all, when somebody has negative equity in their house, generally speaking, if they can rent the same house that they're making a payment for, a payment on for the less. In other words, if they have a house on Elm Street and over on Oak Street, it's the same house they can rent for less than what they're making in their payment and they have no equity in their existing home. We know the propensity for them to default on that existing mortgage and go rent is very, very high. Or they'll do what's called a buy and bail. If the house over on Oak Street is for sale for less than what they owe on their mortgage, they'll go and buy that other house and then they'll bail on the existing mortgage. None of that is true now because of the fact that the equity situation is completely different. Now, let's go on. Point number what five. Are we on? Point, point number, number five. five. Yep. Nationwide, there is a 0.7%, as in less than 1%, delinquency rate. And that point proves the previous point. When less than 1% of total mortgages are delinquent, you guys should not be hitting the buy now button when somebody tries to sell you a foreclosure list. Right. Because and it's basically going to be empty. In the last uh, two months, Julie and I have been asked to um, coach and I think speak to a lot of executives at different real estate brands, and they've been asking our opinions on all this uh, this this topic, basically. Why our opinions? Because back in 07, 08, and 09, Julie and I worked with many of the government entities to teach agents how to do short sales and then how to start working with distressed real estate. We still have all those relationships, and we've been communicating with, well, those of, uh, those of them who are still in the real estate or, or in the government, and none of them are telling us that they're expecting there to be any sort of meaningful downturn in housing. They all told us there was going to be a meaningful downturn in housing in 06 and 07 when they started asking for us to help them do coaching and training to real estate agents. So back then, there was no system in place to handle distressed real estate. There was no real system in place to even handle short sales because Julie and I had that background because we trained agents to do it. And a lot of cases, those big entities uh, had asked for us and contracted with us and did podcasts and training with us to help educate real estate agents. None of that is happening now. Point number six, Julie. Point number six, the total value of private residential real estate in the U.S. grew by a record $6.9 trillion, that's with a T, in 2021, to $43.3 trillion. That's more than double the level from a decade ago as the market fully recovered, and then some, from its immediate post-recession lows. That's a huge, huge gain. It's really hard to fathom how big that number is. I mean, it's staggering. So it, It's staggering. Well, here's the real, I think... What uh, will happen, um, you know, generationally? The idea that owning a home, um, it, like it, it came into a time of crisis actually, as a result of the housing crash uh, crisis 14, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. where people were being, uh, were starting to, you know, maybe housing is no longer the American dream, and whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. In the 14 years after that, now that we've seen so many people have created 
or have essentially uh, gained so much personal net worth as a result of buying a home, that's forever changed long-term the DNA of every American. Every American now is, if they're ever in doubt, is definitely going to want to own a home. That's right. And I read another statistic that we didn't include in here, but uh, of the average American's net worth, their home equity is like 60 to 80 percent, depending on how old they are and assuming they haven't already paid it off. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Point number seven. Point number seven. Projected, there is projected to be over six million home sales in 2022. Remember, there are two sides to every transaction. So six million sales means 12 million sides. Now, I rounded that number down. The actual number I found was 6.7 million, but I rounded it down because of the time of year it is. So the realistically, the number of total home sales and uh, to- total number of potential paychecks, considering there's two sides to every real estate transaction, will be around 13 million. And we're going to get to the, what the average uh, U.S. home value is now, or the medium rather, or no, the average, I'm sorry. You guys will be astonished. And so we're going to start talking about the amount of money that can be earned in a market like this. Now, again, I want you to remember, we're going to take a little break here. Knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. If you're feeling fear after just you know hearing what we just told you, if you're still feeling fear, it's because you don't have enough knowledge and how to what to do in this market. The skills that are necessary in this market are different than what was necessary in the past market. Or put it a different way, what it took to make you successful in the past market is different, largely different than what it'll take you to be successful in this new market. The old market success was measured by the number of units you sold, maybe the dollar volume. In other words, it was a lot of peacockery. <laughs> a lot of people bragging about their numbers, the size of their teams, their branding, and all their social media, and all the rest of it. What you're going to see now are the agents that have the skill set that know actually how to, you know, as Julie and I lovingly call it, Dr. Phil, their buyers and sellers, right? They not only have to be real estate professionals, they also have to be a little bit of an amateur psychologist to help people through their own fear. These facts that we're giving you now, we're hoping that you're going to use these facts to move past your own fear, despite what you might be hearing everywhere, especially from other real estate gurus. And what we're suggesting that you do is then take these same facts and uh, share them with your um, with your buyers and your sellers. But start with yourself first, right? Put your own mask on first. This is designed to make you feel more confident. And with that confidence, then you're going to then want to take the next step and you're going to want to become a master of this market and learn skills. And one of the best ways for you to do that is become one of our premier coaching members. All you have to do to become one of our premier coaching members is text the word premier to 47372, text the word premier to 47372, and you can learn how you can join premier coaching for as little as $100 per month. And yes, that does include a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our new member coaches. So text the word premier to 47372. That is the go-to place for learning the skills that are necessary for this new market. So text the word premier to 47372. Next point, Julie. Point number eight, the average average time on the market nationally is less than 60 days. Now that's time on the market, but the median days to pending is 13. So some of you guys are still thinking that if it doesn't sell instantaneously, something must be wrong. When you've got an average time on the market of 60 days or less, it is still absolutely a seller's market. You are getting multiple offers. Things are selling. And Tim, you know, without even doing any of this research, what I was thinking as I was reviewing this with you is even if we hadn't done any of this, I can tell you from the hundreds of calls from the coaches and from myself and from you and our texts and our emails and the daily Facebook live sessions, what I'm not hearing, anything about short seller foreclosure. No. I am not hearing, can you please help me figure out how to get the bank to approve this short sale? We are not hearing that. 
if and when we ever did, you can rest assured we would tell you about it. Well, go back to the statistics, Jules. I mean, if you look at the sheer mm-hmm. number of the, it's less than 1% delinquency, uh, delinquency yeah. rate. So, oh, and I, you know, there's a bonus point that we're going to get to here in a second. I don't want to mm-hmm. jump on it. Yep. But there's, I'm going to give you guys another bonus point. Don't let me forget to give them bonus point number two yep. about the projected number of agents. Okay, mm-hmm. so don't let mm-hmm. forget that one. I should have put that yes. in our notes. All right, point number nine. Nine, yes. Okay, the average home sale in the U.S. in Q1 2022 was over $500,000. That's right, over a half million dollars on average. The average, the actual number is 507, but I rounded it down, like I said, at the top of the show. Now, average and median are different. Medium, I believe, was in the mid-300s. But still, that goes to show that the average home in the United States is still proving out to be a fantastic place uh, to invest your money. And I do say invest because it's amazing. Those of you who listen to us and those of you who had your uh, own real estate clients listen to you and bought homes over the last really five years, really mostly three years where rates were so low, they have hit the absolute real estate lottery. And by the way, even with rates right now still less than 6%, it's still a fantastic time to get a mortgage, a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. And Julie and I have done podcasts on the different ways that you can take your 30-year fixed rate mortgage and you can buy it down or you can do an adjustable rate. We'll strongly suggest that despite the fact that the payment might be a little bit more pricey than you would like, you should still lock in a 30-year fixed rate. And if you're payment sensitive or if your clients are, then maybe buy the rate down. Lots of different things. And remember, when somebody gets a mortgage, it doesn't necessarily mean that, I mean, they they can refinance that, right? There's no reason to believe that uh, if they're fearful, well, I don't want to buy now because the interest rates might go down again. Well, first of all, they probably won't. Uh, No one's projecting the rates are going to go down again anytime soon, especially because inflation rate is largely believed to be well over 10% now. Oh, I'm going to take a little side trip on this. And Julie's working on this podcast. I hope Mm -hmm. you hopefully you got these notes. If you want to know, CNBC did a great article. If you want to know what your actual inflation rate is, forget the government statistics because those are all kind of, uh, I mean, mostly BS, really. They're just politicized statistics. Here's all you have to do. Go and look to see, go to your, you know, let's say you use an American Express to buy all your groceries. Go to see what you spent last year on average in your groceries and compare it to this year. I'll save you the effort. Your grocery bill's gone up by over 20%. Find out what you're paying per gallon of gas. Oh, I'll save you the effort. It's gone up by 20%. Housing has gone up by over 20%. Everything's gone up by over 20%. You're going to start seeing utility bills. You're going to start seeing things like yep. Netflix. You're going to start seeing everything's going to go up by, guess what? The number magically seems to be right around 18 to 20%. Why? Because that's the real inflation rate. So when the government comes out and says the real inflation rate is around 10%. I don't, they're, it, it guys are manipulated pr- number. They're manipulated numbers. And we could give you guys lots of reasons why here. I'll just Google this. You'll laugh. Owner's equivalent of uh, <laughs> owner's equivalent rent. So if you want to know why the uh, project, why the inflation rate as uh, provided by the government is malarkey, just Google the term owner's equivalent rent. You'll laugh your butt off when you see that the thing that represents the largest percentage of somebody's uh, monthly budget, annual budget for that matter, which is a house payment, uh, how that is not really even figured in to what inflation is. That is such a joke, which by the way, was not the way it was back in 81. We are experiencing right now some of the worst inflation in the history of the United States, certainly of our lifetimes. Julia and not, and we avoid being political, We're not being political now. We're just stating facts. 
So in this inflationary time, when your inflation rate is over 20%, it makes sense that you're going to want to buy a house now, even if the um, interest rate's 6%. Why? Because if your interest rate's 6%, which most of you can still get a mortgage around 5%, but even if it were 6%, and the house inflates in value by, say, 10% in a year, you essentially are having the appreciation or the inflation on that house more than cover the cost of the loan. That is called free money. And if you can get some of that free money, well, good for you. And for a majority of the Americans that own homes that have these long-term interest rates of less than 4%, sometimes less than 3.5%, guess what? That is the ultimate real estate lottery. I have a coaching client who locked into 30-year fixed at 2.25%. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, go her. Okay, (laughs) so speaking of facts, uh, point number 10, the predicted appreciation of homes in 2022 is projected to be over 15% with the median home value projected to increase 16.4% to your point that you just mentioned. Yep, hopefully you guys understand what that means, but at the end of the end of the day, if you own a home, uh, you know, guys, good job, you're smart. Now, again, there's no reason to believe and hopefully you're convinced of this that there's going to be any sort of precipitous drop in housing. Going forward, there's different people that are predicting different rates of appreciation, but none of them, none of the sources we went to are predicting any kind of deflation. In other words, no loss of value. Some are saying, well, next year it's going to be, you know, it might be 6% or it might be 8%. And the year after that might be 4% or it might be 6%. But none of the numbers are negative. So that means if you buy a house today in the next two or three years, the thing is going to appreciate, even using the most conservative inflation forward slash appreciation, um, you know, guesses basically from these economists, you know, these Fed economists, the you're going to increase in value. The home's going to have you know 10 or 20 percent increased value, which at the very least is going to cover the cost of housing. Versus if you were renting, that just lost money. Point number 11 is all about demographics. There are about 332 million. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not saying I might as well read the whole thing. 331,893,745 Americans. I couldn't round that fast enough. There are 72.1 million millennials. Those are folks aged 26 to 41. Baby boomers who are 58 to 76 years old, 71.6 million of them. Now, one of those groups is growing in size as they have family formation. We also have immigrants coming in, and the other isn't, the baby boomers, for example. But both of those massive groups will be buying and selling in greater numbers over the next 10 years. Add to this Generation X, the 42 to 57 crowd, who has a group and altogether is a group size of 65.2 million. Why do demographics matter? Because the largest groups of the people I just rattled off are still buying. They're still moving up. They're having growing families. They're needing better schools. All of the normal reasons that people buy and sell. Well, look at this, though. It's staggering. So you've got 72 uh, 72 million millennials, right? And they're 26 to 41. And I think, if I remember correctly, the largest percent of those millennials were on the younger age. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be buying their first homes, yep. family formation, all of that stuff. And that obviously is a surge of spending because babies are expensive. Yes, they are. <laughs> and they don't stop being Especially expensive. Especially if you have more than one of them. Yes. And uh, you know, then you got the baby boomers who are going to be, in some cases, buying second or third homes. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of cases, it's going to be downsizing. And then you've got our generation, the Generation X, and we're projected to outpace the baby boomers. Yeah. The baby boomers go off to the great, you know. Well, what I see from the baby boomers is lots of listings because right. they're selling the family home and they're either downsizing to a vacation home or they've already bought their vacation home. So that's a great source of listings. The millennials are a lot of buyers. But what I see when I see demographic numbers like that is I see an absolute wave after wave after wave 
of people that want to buy homes. Absolutely. And there's no, again, there's if you were in a country where you had essentially not these massive waves of humanity that were wanting to purchase whatever it is you had for a sale, then you got a problem. Mm -hmm. But in real estate, you've got, you're selling something that everybody needs and in many cases obviously wants, but you're also have a huge number of people that are going to want to buy what you have for sale. And as a result of COVID, and I think, frankly, Julie and I have talked about this a lot, Starlink and some other technologies and some uh, changes in the expectation for, you know, the fact that people can work out of their houses and the rest of it. Many big companies are now saying, you can work wherever the hell you want to work in the world. We could give two hoots. You're seeing all these cursory markets, these secondary markets now that are exploding in value. And that's where a lot of the, you know, I, frankly, I totally understand younger millennials who are bought or who are priced out of homes. Well, younger millennials, if you're listening, move the heck out of those expensive areas and go to some of these cursory markets. If you're in Atlanta and real estate's gotten too expensive, or if you're in, um, you know, all these other markets, I'm thinking about our little cabin in, you know, uh, Murphy, North Carolina, go find a place in the mountains someplace and live there full time and use Starlink. I mean, you can choose to have a lifestyle that is um, essentially going to be conducive to perhaps long term a way happier uh, version of you know humanity really <laughs> people at, and I, I read something I didn't put it in here but the uh, people moving out of cities the percent of people moving out of cities is increasing yes I saw that too absolutely so let's see point number twelve is interesting the median rent monthly rent payment is one thousand three hundred twelve which is an increase of sixteen point eight percent year over year but the median house payment is twelve hundred. There's a reason to stop renting because remember, renters that are all worried about interest rates. When you pay rent, you're paying 100% interest. But you, you've got you, that point is so incredibly important. Mm -hmm. If you can actually purchase a house and have the house payment be lower than what a uh, national average rent is, that is not normal. No, it's not. Yeah, that and is. I, I that can is, tell you, every time we lose a tenant, it's because of that. That is so. That is massively abnormal, it, it, and this is even with rates the way they are now. Normally, what happens is you'll have a uh, rent payment, which is going to be say twenty or maybe even thirty percent less than the house payment of a, an equivalent house, and that's the reason people choose to stay renting because they can't afford the more expensive house, yep. and they probably don't have the down payment. But now, what you're seeing is the flip of that, and that is a long-term trend. That's not going to change. There is no big surge of new construction that's going to be hitting exactly. the markets anytime soon. There, the, the cost of new construction between labor and materials because of inflation, the disparity between the value of a resale home and new construction home has gotten too expensive. So if you wanted to buy, like builders aren't even building the uh, more affordable homes, like very few builders outside of maybe you know, Iowa and places like that are building homes in the three to $600,000 price points. And the reason that they can do it there is because the cost of um, labor is less and the cost of land is less. But in some other markets are like that, for sure. Out in Arizona, Julie has clients out there who there, there's a lot of new construction happening there. But still, the when the price difference between a new home and a resale home is more than usually, it's about maybe 10 or 15%, you're going to see that the one or two things will happen. Either the resale home will, the price difference will actually be reduced. That's really the bottom line. Because people are willing to pay more for a new home, but they're not willing to pay that much more. And what we have now is new construction is a hell of a lot more. Mm -hmm. And the guy that runs the BIA, I was watching him on an interview, I forget where. Mm -hmm. And he basically is saying this is, this is you know, the end times for new construction. Well, that's true. And one thing that we don't report on much and uh, is the impact of 
uh, lack of new construction for rental properties, you know, the big complexes, the nice amenities, all that stuff, that also has slowed down, which is, again, continuing to create this increase, almost 17% year over year for the cost of rental. And this is also, and again, we're going to step slightly off topic here, but that's a lot of reasons why when you are choo- choosing what kind of rentals to buy, Julie and I have always gone against the tide and have suggested to you guys that you buy single family yep. homes because single family homes will attract a better quality tenant. They're generally speaking in better areas, have better inflation, better everything across the board. You are It's harder to monetize a single family home for sure, but long-term single families are mm-hmm. seemingly a better investment. And if you don't believe me, believe the largest landowner or believe the largest owner of real estate in the world now, which is BlackRock. I mean, they buy single family homes. In class A multifamily properties, a lot of people are believing that they're overbuilt and it's oversaturated. Again, hit up the Google machine and do your mm-hmm. research yourself. Point number 13, Julie. Point number 13, there is no increase, you guys know this, in homes for sale. As a matter of fact, there is a minus 0.2% fewer homes for sale. This speaks to our uh, everlasting inventory shortage problem. And that's not going to change. Yeah. And so why does that matter? I got to remember, and you as well, that some of our listeners, when we say these points, they don't necessarily translate that into, so what? Well, it's all supply and demand, right? So with anything, the less supply and the higher the demand, the higher the price is going to go. So again, this spells prices going up, which means no housing crash. But we are going to reflect back upon lovely point number, where the heck was it we were talking about total home sales this year? All right there. Point number seven, projected to be over 6 million home sales in 2022. Mm -hmm. Remember, there's two sides to the transaction. And that is even with a decreasing amount of homes for sale as far as increasing inventory. There'll still be well over 10 million real estate transactions to be had. And we also told you that the medium home sale price in the United States now, or no, the average home sale price in the United States was uh, 500,000. So you guys can do the commission in your head uh, at whatever rate you want to use. And then you can then calculate that by, say, 6.5 6.5 and that's I'm sorry so there's 6.5 6.5 million projected home sales which means there's going to be roughly 13 million total transactions if the average home is $500,000 multiply that by whatever number you want to multiply it by and that'll tell you the total amount of commission that'll be paid to real estate practitioners this year you guys get all that Bottom line being, there is an enormous opportunity that is available to you right now because you are smart enough to get a real estate license. It's just a function of whether you're going to get off your duff and focus on becoming a listing agent and realizing because of this market, it's creating the best opportunities ever. Because what happens is, is that when the market starts to shift, especially when the um, consumers are being inundated with so much negative news, they get fearful, scared as hell. And then they start choosing different people to be their listing agent specifically. In many cases, the centers of influence and uh, past client uh, uh, focused agents, they're the ones that suffer the most because they've never actually had to compete for listings. They walk into listing appointments and they know these people because they're centers of influence and past clients and they just were essentially spelled entitled to the listing. That is not going to happen now. What you will, those centers of influence and past client agents will still get called out for the appointment, but they're not going to win the listing at at the same rate because of the fact that an agent that walks in with a, you know, having pre-qualified, having a pre-listing pack, knowing what questions to answer, knowing how to get these sellers past their fears. Those are the agents that are going to kick some serious ass. Why do Julie and I really get excited about a market like this? This is the exact kind of shit show market that we dealt with when we got into real estate. (laughs) This is it. Is that a technical term? 
But it's true. <laughs> I know. And this is the yeah. kind of market where uh, you and I kick butt. And why? Because when we got into real estate, it wasn't, frankly, this bad. Right. But when we got into real estate, the existing uh, sort of uh, supply of agents, mm-hmm. we didn't know what the heck to do. Right. And, and then since then, we coached other agents through similar markets. And this is the reason. So most agents are going to take too long to figure out what the heck they're supposed to be doing. They're going to still make their TikTok videos and their YouTube videos, and they're going to still buy buyer leads and work on their teams and work on their branding. All the while, their revenue and their net incomes are going to drop. And then hopefully before any of them get you know meaningfully harmed, financially meaningfully harmed, psychologically meaningfully harmed, they're actually going to pivot and they're going to realize the market has changed and they need to change with the market. So if you're in that transitional phase right now, you're a broker, you're an agent, you're a team, you're anything like that, I strongly encourage you to make the pivot now. Don't just wait for the clouds to clear. Don't keep on burning up your savings, keeping your old business model alive. You have to pivot towards what this market has to give. Everybody does. Julie and I are doing it in our coaching business. Every real estate brokerage Julie and I consult with, every team we consult with, they're all doing the same thing. You need to be doing the same thing. If you need us uh, to help you, if you have a brokerage, if you have a team, if you have you know any sort of questions, anything like that, you can text me directly and we will help you. We don't want you to needlessly suffer. Julie and I were talking about doing a podcast about what happens if you wait too long, but we decided not to do it because it's too depressing. We've seen <laughs> yeah. it happen twice as real estate coaches. What happens when you wait too long? And in some cases, it involves a lot of really horrible human tragedy, and we do not want that to happen nope. to you. So please heed our warning. This inflationary shift that we're experiencing now is monumental. It's historic. It's nothing we've ever experienced in this country before. Don't underestimate it, but at the same time, don't under- underestimate the amount of people and money you can make because of this market. So take it seriously. If you want to text me and have a conversation, 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. Before we get to the last couple points, I also want to, I'm glad I just remembered this. If you guys have a question for us, if you want to spe- have a specific question you want us to uh, answer, send me the question on Instagram. Just go over to Instagram, follow us on Instagram, and then put the just send me the question, and that we'll start using those questions on the podcast. I'm hoping some of you send us some really good questions, and we can do complete podcasts around your questions, thus having to save us the effort of coming up with new content. <laughs> yeah, yes, please do. All right, point number fourteen: the median equity in every home in the U.S. is one hundred and eighty thousand dollars in equity. Why is that important? Because people don't walk away from equity. Now let's talk about this: median equity, average home price. We're using home prices, the average home price of a half million dollars, the median home price um, in the United States is in the mid 300s. So you're looking at most homeowners have 50% equity position in their homes. Now I want you to think about what I just said. Most homeowners have 50% equity in their homes. That is incredible. That is historic. Point number 15, Julie. Yes, point number 15, the unemployment rate is also at historic lows of 4%. So those two points together, I, I want to really highlight this. That when you have a, an average of $180,000 worth of equity, even if you lost your job and cannot or will not replace it, and even if you fall behind in your mortgage, and in the unlikely chance that your bank doesn't work with you, no, you no. still can sell your house, cash out, and you are not a short sale. Yeah, but don't jump on my bonus point. But here's the, to your what you were saying there a second ago was really yeah. a brilliant point. Even if you basically lose your job, but your average house, the medium house payment in the United States is twelve hundred dollars. Your house payment with your all of your equity in it, by the way, is still less than what you're going to have to pay in rent. So rent is not a great option. You're not going to be having that thought because it's not logical. 
logical. You're going to go get a job and you're going to figure out how to make it happen. And you're still, no matter where you live, you're going to have a house payment. Mm -hmm. This is not like it was before. And you're not going to walk away from that, essentially in many cases, for many humans, enormous amount of equity of at the median being around 180,000. Don't believe there's a housing crash. It is not going to happen. Yeah. And speaking of employment, the unemployment rate again is less than 4%. So that's not even a big thing right now. Now, why could be, we be wrong? This is the only thing we could come up with. And Julie and I talked to a lot of uh, people and read a lot of things. Here's the only reason that we could be wrong and all these points could reverse themselves. Here's why. If the unemployment rate goes through the roof, if for some reason the unemployment rate were to go tragically in the wrong direction and people were to start losing jobs and you're, it'd just be some sort of you know employment apocalypse, that would be where some of these things would reverse. But Julie just touched on this and I want to really drill down on this. Even if that were to happen, and this is for all of you who are trying to pump ages' minds full of this belief that there's going to be a lot of distressed real estate, there will not be, and here's the reason why. The government has proven continuously that they will be a stopgap on, on foreclosures. They will not allow foreclosures to happen. And if you think, no, it does not matter who the president is, does not matter what political parties, and if you think there's going to be any kind of foreclosure train, yeah, boarding, let alone leaving the station, after what we've seen in the past 14 years, you are not paying attention or you're disingenuous. Because here's why. After, here's the exact playbook the government will do. If there is some sort of meaningful amount of unemployment, here's exactly what's going to happen. You lose your job. You document you lose your job. You then will call your servicer, services, your Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Banco de Popular, if you're here in Puerto Rico, whatever. And you're going to say, I lost my job. I can't make my house payment. And they're going to say, okay, would you like a six-month de deferment or a 12-month deferment? And you're going to say, well, let's go with the 12. And they're going to go, okay, well, fine. Uh, call us in 12 and let us know how you're, what you're, what, you know, what's going on if you need an additional help. And then what's going to happen is the missed payments will go on the back of the loan. No interest, no penalties, no report to your credit. That's what they did during COVID. That's what they're going to do if there's any kind of meaningful turnaround, thus preventing any kind of precipitous drop in home values. That is what will happen. Mark my word. So do not believe and do not be suckered into believing that there's going to be a housing crash, even if the worst case scenario were to happen and there were to be a massive amount of unemployment. And we are obviously, you know, light years away from that, considering the unemployment rate right now is basically 4%. Even if there were to be a massive reversal, it wouldn't happen for years. And you, that right there is what how the government would handle it. Now I'm going to give you a bonus point. Okay. Here's your bonus point. There will not be a precipitous drop in the number of agents. That's the other thing I've seen floated around from ignoramuses. Why? Because for, most, for the most part, the big surge in new agents has happened in the last 12 to 24 months. After all the time, effort that agents have put into getting licenses, they're not going to let their licenses go. They're going to hold, and if this is this the cycle. Matter of fact, what we think is there'll be more people getting real estate licenses. Why? Because they're going to be, humans are going to be looking for more ways to shore up their uh, income insecurities. And so they're going to be getting part-time jobs, many of which will be getting in the real estate business. That is what's going to happen. There will not be a big precipitous drop in the number of real estate professionals. There will not be a, a big precipitous drop in the members of National Association of Realtors. And if you read and you do your own homework, Homework. I know that's counterintuitive. People will get out because they're not selling houses. No, they won't. They'll keep their licenses because it's hundreds of dollars per year to keep your license. And they're not going to give up their, uh, their because they could do one or two transactions and they know it mm -hmm. and they could actually, you know, make 15 or 20 or $30,000. Even if they only do referral fees, it's worth keeping because exactly. it's harder to get it again than it is to keep it in the first place. Most people for less than $1,000 are going to keep their real estate licenses because of the fact that they know that they could stumble into a real estate transaction. 
And mm-hmm. that will be enough to want them to continue to pay their dues and whatever. So for those of you who think there's a lot of people who got their licenses in the past year who are going to get out of real estate, you're absolutely wrong. That's not how it actually is going to happen because of the fact that, so remember, unemployment rate's super low. A lot of people got real estate licenses. A lot of people normally get real estate licenses when the unemployment rate is high because they're looking for essentially ways to make ends meet. So if that trend continues based, and if you see a continuation of what we just saw, you're not going to see any sort of big drop in real estate licensees. Matter of fact, we think it'll increase, not just in the United States, but uh, globally. So those are all the facts that we have proposed to you. The last point I gave you, the last two points we gave you were mostly conjecture and our opinions, but all these others you guys can research through Google. And hopefully now, as we promised, you're feeling more confident because now you have knowledge. It's up to you what to do with it. Now, here's the ultimate ramification of not, I, essentially, we gave you facts. I know many of you are feeling, most of you are feeling motivated. You're not feeling motivated because Julie and I filled your heads with a bunch of you know, pseudoscience puffery mindset stuff. We are mo- you're feeling motivated because of the fact you now have the facts. Knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. Avoid things that create fear because the unintended consequences of looking for things that are fear-based are very are, are long-term. You won't just have one day of bad uh, thoughts and reactions and behavior. It'll completely rewire your brain. So you have got to protect your mindset. You've got to be very careful who you allow into your head. Real estate coaches, uh, you know, friends, family, news sources, media outlets, anything that's negative in a market like this, especially as it pertains to housing, you need to purge. Lean back into these facts and realize what we just told you is all researchable on Google and ultimately is going to put you in a position of feeling confident because you are in control. And remember, there has never been a time, certainly in Julie and I's almost 30 years of being, well, over 30 years of being married, almost 30 years in this industry, there's never been a time when caring, competent, and skilled real estate professionals have been more in need. That's right. So how do you use this? Well, you can go and print our notes. You can highlight these bullet points, memorize much of this. And when one of your buyers or a potential seller who's thinking about buying says, you know what? I think I'm going to wait for the market to crash. You can confidently say, I can appreciate that thought, but I'm concerned. Can I tell you why? And then you can speak to these points with intelligence and confidence. That's right. That's the bottom line. Move forward, guys. Move forward with excitement. Move forward with motivation. Move forward knowing that you are in the right place at the right time. Now apply the right skills with mindset and you are unstoppable. This is the kind of market that uh, essentially it's, you know, basically new leaders will emerge. New leaders, not just in our industry, not just in the, uh, you know, new leaders in technology, new leaders in politics, new leaders in everything. This is the great reset that's happening across the economy that really probably started with COVID. Finally, we're going to just start seeing new ideas, new approaches to things that are going to start replacing some of these old antiquated sort of laborious uh, you know, things that were all that were anchoring us to a place that none of us wanted to be anymore. So be excited, be motivated, guys. This is your market if you choose for it to be. If you need Julie and I for anything, remember you can always text me at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. And please do the right thing <laughs> and give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify and leave, and leave some pithy comments. We certainly appreciate it. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.